Welcome to Brain Food TCI's Brainy of the Month. Every month in our blog, we explain the ins and outs of career fields and ways you can pursue them in the Caribbean, UK, and USA. As part of explaining careers, we spotlight an islander excelling in the sector covered to shed some light on successful natives grinding behind the scenes. For the month of October, we dissected urban development and managed to get a sit-down with TCIG's Senior Quantity Surveyor, Dominique Durham, also known as Jakey. So, lend us your ears and get fed with some brain food. Alrighty, so welcome. Thank you for being our uh, brandy of the month around urban development and Dominic Durham, we are very, very, very excited to have you. So um, let's get started. If you can tell me a little background on um, what you currently do and you know a little bit on your education and how you got to where you are right now. Okay, well, um, thanks for having me and nominating me as your brainy of the month. Um, it's a pleasure indeed to be such. And you know, thanks for having me. Um, so my role, I'm a quantity surveyor by background. I studied quantity surveying in the UK at the University of Greenwich. I did my master's at South Bank University. I then became a chartered quantity surveyor over in the UK and also worked. So I gained a lot of international experience, spent eight years over there. Um, I moved back to Jackson Davis three years ago, 2017, um, appointed by the government as their senior quantity surveyor. And also, um, as a part of my appointment with them, I also have my private practice from, which is Chartered Quantity Surveying, um, Future Bill Consultancy, offering the same service as long as it doesn't conflict with um, government or public work projects. So I operate both um, individually. So my role as a quantity surveyor for those who may not know um, precisely what we do is protect the financial interest of any client in a construction project. So if you decide to carry out a bill at home or any sort of development, we would advise on the budget or the pricing of it. Um, we do all of the tender documents to send to contractors to be able to price the project. And we also manage the project through our construction to make sure that it's built within the budget. And we, we are contract management orientated, meaning that um, we manage the contract not only from a financial aspect, but from a contract law aspect to you know, protect the interest of the client throughout um, the process of the um, project. So it, it, it's a bit in depth, that's a sort of brief synopsis of it. I mean, I'll probably leave it to you to ask more about it if you want to know, but that's. Um, the sort of general gist of what we do. So I've never heard of a quantity surveyor before. How did you hear about this career and what made you want to pursue it? Um, before I came, became a quantity surveyor, I never heard about this as well. <laughs> um, so basically, um, I just for you know, family members and colleagues, I'm complaining about the services they received from quantity surveyors um, locally, and also um, emphasizing on the lack of competition within the industry, particularly as it relates to um, 
know locals um, in the industry performing such tasks. So that immediately grabs my attention. Um, I was always interested and involved in the construction industry from a you know, little kid assisting my dad who was in construction for um, quite a long time. And, you know, he built our family home. I participated as a kid being excited, you know, just partaking in minor roles. Um, I've worked summers um, as, you know, a laborer or assistant on construction projects um, on my summer breaks in secondary school. So I was always interested in construction. But when I first heard about quantity surveying, um, at the time I wanted to be an accountant. So um, you can see the link there. I say I'm both numbers related. So uh, as a quantity surveyor, you know, you're focused on numbers, but in construction, you, know, you price a project. Um, you, you produce budgets, cash flows, um, you quantify all of the elements of a project, you can, down to how many nails you need for a project, we can do that. You know, how many blocks, uh, plywood, rock sheet, every element of the building, we would quantify that and put a number or a price to it so that, um, you know, the client, um, you know, understands fully where his money is going and, and we then manage that throughout the process to make sure that um, a client is not being ripped off, you know, protecting their financial interests. So I first heard about it um, then. I did some research and um, went and speak to one of the quantities of ASO on the island and um, ended up doing an intern there and, you know, everything went uphill from there. That's great. And you touched a little on... Um like what motivated you to work in like the construction fields like your, your dad's job and you working on weekends and your internship. Can you talk a little more of those experiences of, you know, having those just small interests and then them blossoming and possibly yeah. how you heard about them and got interested in those opportunities? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it was a very exciting thing for me as, as a youngster, you know, for your summer breaks, you were able to, to earn a weekly wage if you're not $300 a week, and that was a lot of money at the time. So the money did interest me first, you know, um, just like every other career, you know, people are concerned about, you know, what sort of salary it pays. Um, so that interests me, and also just being genuinely excited to partake in the, the role itself, you know, being able to say, well, I was a part of that structure when it's completed, you know, and as a kid being fascinated of how components come together to make a project itself, it's, it was always fascinating to me. And, you know, when there was a minor role, like, you know, just rolling the wheelbarrow with some um, cement or concrete in it, or, you know, lifting some blocks or, you know, helping the carpenter hold a piece of plywood to nail it up, you know, that sort of stuff. And when you see the end product, you're like, okay, I was a part of that and I was involved with the nitty-gritty and the messy work of such fine uh, uh, product. So that's what always interests me. And, and, and that stimulated my, my passion to, to pursue it further. Um, obviously, in school, I did the relevant subjects and that sort of stuff to enable me to you know, pursue a career um, at higher education level, particularly, you know, bachelor's and master's, and also becoming a child quantity surveyor, which is um, a, a great sort of accomplishment that I'm highly proud of, because, um, as I said, at the time, there weren't, 
any local, you know, traffic quantity surveys on the island of Tarsen Cages. So, you know, me coming back and be able to bring that expertise here is such a great accomplishment. And I read uh, the TCI Sun uh, newspaper did a article on you a couple of years ago. And if I remember correctly, you are the first charter quality surveyor, correct? Yeah, first local. Um, the others are aspect communities, but um, first local charter quantity surveyor. And just to touch a bit on that process, it's, it's, it's difficult. What that means is that um, once you, you get your education in, in the career itself, there's um, Institute, Royal Institute of Charter Surveyors. Um, that you pursue in terms of becoming a member. Now, in order to become a member, the process is very difficult. You need to exemplify or show that you are at the highest level of professionalism, standards, or qualification within your career. Um, also, from an experience point of view. So, there are different routes to becoming a member. Um, I'll touch base. I'll touch briefly on that. Um, I went to the student graduate route, which included um, you know, two years of structured training, which means that um, I worked under a quantity surveyor in London, and I had to keep the diary of my daily activities to say what I've learned today, how I've applied my roles. So I had two years of daily diaries that I had to submit <laughs> to, to, to the RCS. I then had to write a, a, um, like a mini dissertation um, or sort of piece of coursework on an issue that I've experienced within my career and how I've approached it or addressed it or managed it or rectified it if it was a problem to my solutions. And I also had to undertake um, an interview, which is a two-hour interview um, in front of a panel. And they basically just interrogate you, rip you to pieces. They ask you questions. I mean, from all angles of the construction industry, they ask you about contracts, and they put you in a place if you are in this place or a legal issue with what you do. They ask you about clauses and it could have been anything. And you just had to really stand your ground and show them that, you know, you're a professional and, you know, you, you sort of use what you, your knowledge and expertise as a professional financier to address uh, such questions. And then following that, you have about a week of just nervousness and sweating just to hear the results of the value or accept it as a member. And I can remember the day I got my results. I was at work and everyone was so excited and you know, it was just such relief. And it was a great experience, probably one of the toughest experiences within my career. Um, but you know, I've done it. There's such great benefits being a member. Once you carry those uh, four letters behind your name, um, clients see that as you know, a plus is that it's a benefit. They know you come with the highest degree of, you know, professionalism and standards and code of conduct and ethics and that sort of stuff. And, you know, they get you paid more money. <laughs> um, it gets you recognized worldwide. And there are all, all sorts of other benefits being a member. Um, there are responsibilities and duties I have to undertake as a member. For example, every year I have to Love my continuous professional development um, program, which is 20 hours. We have to demonstrate that we are continuously developing and growing. So I have to log 20 hours of showing that I'm growing within my profession every year. So for example, if I attend an online course about you know, some contract law or legal dispute in the construction industry, and then 
done that for 30 minutes. I have to log that on my portal to say I've done 30 minutes of learning about this. Or I've done an hour reading up on adjudication. I've done half an hour of seminar, you know, reading on mediation, you know, those sort of stuff. And I prove to them that I'm continuously growing. So what happens is that your profile, um, depending on the different subject areas within the profession, it shows how many hours of learning you have associated with different subject areas. And if anyone is looking for a quantity safe layer, so posting me in the trucks and cages, that's, that's a, a, a good background or experience in um, dealing with disputes for payments under construction contract. They will go to trucks and cages on the RICS, look for child's awareness, and then you'll see what qualifications and, and be able to choose and reach out to that company or firm to assist. Sorry, I was a bit long-winded, but... <laughs> oh, um, no, yeah. you're totally fine. It was great to hear how in-depth the process was to get there. I know for me, you said meditation and a two-hour interview, and I was like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but it just made me admire the fact that when you were young, you knew that this was a career path that you wanted to take. And when you got there, something that I, I see currently as a hurdle, the word dissertation... Um, you were like, no, I know it's on the other side of this and I have to overcome this hurdle. And I know that this is just, it's the stepping stone to get there. I thought, I, I admire that. It was great. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I mean, and so just to clarify, I didn't have it all figured out. Or I didn't know each route right the way along. I mean, there were times when, you know, I had to seek advice and, you know, ask about, you know, what routes should I do? Because quite frankly, I was, you know, looking forward to returning home after my bachelor's. And my education was privately funded um, by HAB Investment, where I did my intern and learned about you know, the role itself before I went to study. And I can remember I having a conversation with Paul Snaggle over there saying that, you know, completed my bachelor's with first class honors degree. I was so happy and I said, want to come home and work. And he said to me, you know, there's no point coming home now, you know, go ahead and do a master's and, you know, get some experience. And, you know, then you can consider that. So I didn't have it planned out in the way I did, but, you know, having that sort of guidance and, you know, that sort of person within the industry to look to for you know advice was such a great uh, deal. What were some of the experience that like again you said that they they told you to stay off for a while, get your masters, get some experience. What were some of those roles that you were in where you were getting experience before you moved back home? Um, I worked for, whilst I was studying, uh, I worked for a main contractor in London, namely um, Bouygues, which is a French company, and they had just started uh, um, within the high-end residential sector, so building luxury homes for like Russian millionaires and stuff. So um, I got dropped right into the frying pan, um, fresh, I was completing my bachelor's and, you know, just trying to prove myself as a graduate surveyor. And... The roles were, you know, managing the finances of that project, managing subcontractors. So I had to, you know, evaluate the payments on a monthly basis. So, for example, if we had subcontract a certain element of the construction project out to a specialist, for example, you know, the windows or the doors or the joinery, 
we start contract to contract this. My role was to make sure that we get a better value for the money, um, not only the cheaper, but the person who's able to perform the role. So we do all of the tender process. Um, we do all the budgeting. I did all of the cost control, having to report um, on a monthly basis to the managing directors where we are on the project. Are we making money? Are we losing money? Are we late? Why are we late? Um, if the subcontract is applied for payment and they say, hey guys, um, we want to be paid you know, 50,000 pounds, I would then go out and assess and value whether they've done 50,000 pounds worth of work in order to authorize the payments and stuff like that. Um, you know, variations, um, even dealing with conflicts and disputes. The industry over in the UK is just so different. It's heavily regulated, so there's a lot of, you know, paperwork and procedures and I mean, you can't just simply go and do a simple task on a site without having to go through a few documents of papers and submitting and getting approvals. So it was great. It was a great experience for me. Completely different environment here in charts, but hey, you know, I'm grateful for the experience. So you said that you heard about a quantity Spirit at home and you did your internship and you went off for school. When you returned home, well, I guess kind of when you were getting your experience as well, when you were off doing your master's and like when you actually got to dip your toe in the pool, per se, of the actual career, what were some things that you were surprised to learn? And even when you returned home and you started working with your private company and government, um, what were some things that kind of surprised you in getting your footing in this actual Right. Um, for the career itself, um, when I started studying, um, like I said, I did my intern before I left for university. And when I started studying and actually see the nitty-gritty or the details in which you find this will, would have to go into that surprised me, like I said, to be able to you know, quantify the amount of nails on a project here. You know, break down every element, you know, line by line. That sort of shocked me. Um, and it was a learning curve for me. Um, within the role itself, when I returned to Justin Cages, I would say um, working abroad internationally, um, completely different atmosphere and industry, as I've been alluded to earlier, as opposed to coming to terms where things are very relaxed and a lot of things get overlooked. That really shocked me, you know, just coming from a heavily regulated um, you know, with all the paperwork and you know, dispute orientated and contract claims and stuff becoming legal issues and you know, potentially go to adjudication and arbitration. And then you come here, you know, a lot of stuff is just like, you know, um, okay, it happens, you know, pay down, we owe them that, you know. So my role now is to, you know, apply what I've learned and, and try to change that um, atmosphere or attitude towards the construction industry here locally. And you mentioned a couple times of like the nitty gritty of like having to know exactly how many nails and how like making sure that their client isn't getting ripped off. What are some attributes, uh, skills, characteristics, I guess, um, that you think someone going into this career or field in general, um, what do you, what do you think some of those things are that they need to possess? couple of things, actually. Um, you have to be very attentive to details as you're dealing with numbers and people's money. Um, 
um, we have to act independently, irrespective of colleagues, family members. You have to represent your client um, with ethics and integrity. Um, you always have to exemplify the highest level of professionalism extended. Um, the role itself as a surveyor, if you advise someone irresponsibly, you are the person who would, you know, be in a lot of trouble. So you would definitely have to pay attention to the work you produce, um, the level of details you're dealing with numbers. Um, to be honest, very honest, um, even if it's disappointing news, a lot of clients don't like to hear, you know, certain news. Um, they want their things done for the cheapest possible way. If it's disappointing news, you have to advise. You have to, um, so that boils down to communication, open communication, and regularly. Um, you have to make them aware. Um, you can't try to please them by saying, no, you can get it done cheaply. And they'll, in the end, it costs them a lot of money. You're going to be responsible, responsible for advising them, you know, in the wrong manner. So just to sum it up, you know, you, you've got to be really attentive to details, um, be honest, open, keep a regular communication, um, act with integrity at all times. Um, we, as members of the Institute, have, you know, five ethical standards that we have to live by. So they're constantly playing in your mind, you know, act with integrity, always promote trust, you know, take responsibility, and you know, a few others, and we have to live by that. That's our, our sort of Bible. Wow. And do you think there are any related careers or fields that if this is like, ah, I, I don't possess this or I don't think I can exactly do this. Do you think there are any related careers that people can look into similar to Quantity Surveyor? Yes, actually, um, what is quite uh, surprising and what I always say is, is a lot of professionals within the construction industry, they start off as Quantity Surveyors and they end up branching off into a lot of um, different roles. I've realized this while working in the UK. Um, and, you know, these can include, you know, project management, um, adjudicators, arbitrators. Um, they all come from a quantity surveying background. Um, predominantly because a quantity surveyor, you have to know all aspects of, of a project to be able to advise on any financial risks or um, any sort of risks that arise. So you have to know the details of construction. You have to know everything that goes on, why it's going on, to be able to put a number to these things. And, and a lot of times when people reach the peak of the sort of quantity surveying roles, they end up being mediators in construction dispute cases or you know, being adjudicators or arbitrators. Um, even project management, what I find myself um, doing quite recently since I've returned was more of the project management roles rather than doing the bill of quantities and the details, you know, as you become senior in your role, that, that's what an assistant does, and you are now managing uh, the project, you know, from a high level, but, you know, knowing, knowing every detail. So there's quite a bit of roles out there. Um, myself, um, and I must say, when I came here, and, you know, a lot of people know about quantities today, they always look at you as the numbers guy or the guy who price in the budget. But I always like to emphasize now on these platforms that, you know, we are not just that. We're not just the guys that does the budget or the pricing. Um, we are the guys that manage the contract, you 
this, um, the project managers, you know, where sort of dispute avoidance or, you know, dispute resolution offices, I call them, um, whilst we manage any sort of financial risk. Um, so I like to see us as, you know, project managers being involved in every aspect of the, the, the construction project, but advising the client what is the financial impact of every decision and every move. On a project, so there are lots of rules that you know. If you, if you feel as if you know, participating more, I don't want to just do the numbers. You don't have to. You can get within the career choice. And for myself, when I did my dissertation, I did my dissertation on um, contract law, construction contract law. So my thesis was based on handling legal disputes in the construction industry. So once I'm a conservator, that's my my sort of uh, professional under quantity of umbrella. So, um, you know, I know how to manage a contract to avoid disputes arising and how to manage them in, in the event they, they do arise. So there, there are numerous roles under the umbrella of quantity of That is actually mind-opening for me to, to learn about. Oh. <laughs> do you all of this vast knowledge that you have now and you possessed over the years or gained over the years, um, what do you wish you had known before you studying in your career, your job? And you had mentors along the way, as you said before. So you could even share what they share with you. Yeah, um, like I've sort of alluded to it a bit earlier as well. Um, I wish I had known exactly what I've just expressed in terms of the different roles and the quantities of aim. Because although I did my I did my bachelor's in quantities of aim and commercial management, and I also did my master's in quantities of aim. But what I realized is that um, I could have done my master's in a sort of different avenue, um, per se. But what, where I sort of corrected it along the way is that I did my thesis on contract law. Um, it was still linked to quantity surveying because one of the modules, uh, besides you know construction technology and the estimating and the um, finance class, we had construction construction contract law. So I again did my thesis on that. Whereas you know I could have perhaps done a master's in contract law, or, you know done a master's in construction management, or you know some other rule, but you know, hey, that's neither here or there. Um, I still did my thesis on it. If I had known earlier, I would have made that decision. Um, something else had I known what I would have done um, differently within my career. Um, I can't finger point uh, something precisely um, at the moment, but every step was a learning curve for me. Every step was, was a learning curve. And, you know, luckily for me, it all lined up from, I think I all figured out at the moment, there's still things I want to do or I wish I had done differently and that sort of thing, but I guess we'll come on um, to that uh, later. But yeah, that's basically it. And piggybacking kind of off that, if someone is pursuing quantity to bring as their career, like they know they're kind of set on this, what advice would you give them either as they're studying or if they're, for example, still in high school and thinking about, you know, this sounds interesting. I want to learn more about it. What advice would you give them pertaining to pursuing this? Um, 
yes, the advice that I've gotten, you know, um, make sure that it's something that you enjoy first. Um, get a feel for it. Get um, some experience. If you want to do an intern with myself, I'm happy to take on interns and, you know, show them the rules. Um, they will be compensated. You know, I can deal with the assistance. I have had interns from the community college. Um, get a feel for the world itself. See whether it sparks your interest and whether you enjoy it. Because what I would hate more than anything else is that, you know, I persuade you to become a point surveyor. You go in for flat school, study, you know, you get your bachelor's, you come back and do my science. That's something I can see myself doing for a long period of time. But luckily, as I mentioned earlier, there are different rules. But you have to be interested in construction. Um, as long as you're interested in construction, you can branch off into the other roles. So my advice is that make sure it's something you enjoy. It, it sparks an interest. Um, you know, give it your all, your full potential. Um, you know, and you reap the benefits of such. Um, I'm sure there's other advice that I can give. You know, being um, what all of the coursework and doing your work and studying hard and, you know, those are the things that people's parents tell them every day. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. But um, it comes with a lot of work. You have to work hard. I didn't get it up just, you know, going with the flow. I spent many sleepless nights um, studying and reading and, and improving myself. So it's a lot of work. Stay focused and, you know, do it all. I love that you said you encourage them to seek out internships and opportunities to learn more about the career. It's so important to make sure that you can see yourself in the role. Like you can say all you want. I want to do this. I want to do this. And then you go and you study it and no offense, but you end up wasting so much money. And then you actually get to be in that career and you're like, why am I even here? <laughs> this is this was a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that you said, and I like that you have those opportunities as well for, at least for me, for a career as quantity surveying that has like a big question mark. And you were able to be able to be in those areas that allowed you to not only hear more, but see more and get hands-on experience, even if it was very little. And I also like that you are, now that you're back home, you're opening that opportunity to students. So um, I have, I guess, kind of a two-part question to that sentiment of if you had to do your journey all over again, would you do it the same way? Would you choose the same path? And if not, were there any aspects, do you think there are any aspects of it that you would change? I know you mentioned, uh, you know, doing your thesis on contract law and you wish that you could have done your master's in it. So I guess that's kind of one aspect. Are there others? Um, I think um, that's one aspect. That's one of the things that probably uh, would have changed. Um, I guess I can link it to my career as a whole. Um, and I don't really regret anything as it relates to my career because I've you know, learn from the experience itself. Had I not experienced it, I wouldn't have learned. But um, I think one of the things that sort of not really bugged me, but I think about often is whether I've made a decision to return home sooner rather than later. Um, my advice to a lot of students would be to get as much experience as you can um, abroad before you return home. Um, 
because it's very beneficial. You learn a lot in the wider world, in the real world, and you'll be able to implement those expertise here um, on the Jackson Davis Islands. Now, being away in London for my eight years studying and working, having the opportunity to work even abroad in countries like Malta, you know, for internationally reputable firms, you know, like CBRE and BUI. So I had, you know, my experience was, was great, but there was so much more I could have learned on those projects, you know, building a 38-story tower in Liverpool Street, you know, being the fund manager on that, on the, working directly on the director for, you know, the surveying firm. That was a huge um, pleasure and experience for me, but I had left before that project was completed, and I returned home while I was still on global. So there was so much more for me to, to grow and learn and develop, you know, on that project. I mean, I've had um, offers and opportunities out in the Middle East from Dubai and stuff like that to come and work. But, you know, I not sort of turned it down, but put it on pause to return home um, to invest my expertise near this home. Um, so there are a lot of cool factors um, for myself. And, you know, I'm grateful of the opportunity that I do have, particularly to work with the government and to be able to carry my private practice. So it's working fine for me. Um, but who knows? Maybe, you know, later on down the line, I'll probably take a year or two to, you know, perhaps go and take out a job in Dubai for a year or two. So I'm still young, I'm still growing, and I'm still learning within my career. So it doesn't end here. And what made you want to start your private company? Did you know that you were always going to go home and like figure out a job or see what was open? Or did you know that you wanted to start your own company, your own thing? Like, Yes, actually, um, I have started my company prior to me moving home. So it was always the plan. Um, but it happened that I got the offer just in time, you know, and it would have been thinking to return home. And that sort of thing. But I mean, the idea of me starting my own practice is that, you know, from early on in my career, I realized the shortfall, um, the lack of competition within the market, and particularly as it relates to, you know, locals tapping into the market. So it, it's dominated by the expat community. I'm nothing against the expat community, by the way, just want to make that clear. We work uh, very closely together and our colleagues within the industry. Um, so the lack of competition there. Um, the ability and opportunity for me as a young local to tap into that market and offer services um, at the same level of professionalism as we or even higher, um, um, exceeding you know the sort of standards that are offered um, at the moment. So it's always been my my sort of vision to open my own company and to open your own company with that's offering the same service as you study. Um, you know it inside out, it's your Bible, you sleep it, you wake up, that's what you do. You offer that service, you know, it's nothing greater than that feeling, actually. That's so very true. And I, that kind of merges us to our, our last question of what do you plan to do next? If you have a plan for what you want to do next. And uh how do you plan to change, contribute, or impact to the TCI in your, your career and your field? Um, so what I plan to do next, um, 
I'm not sure, but I've mentioned it earlier that it may be a case where I feel as if I do need to get some international experience a bit more. Um, what I plan to do to change the industry in terms of papers, I'm already en route to doing so. I've just been back three years now working with the government, being able to reinvest my expertise here, implement things, change things, you know, make things more efficient, um, even manage our projects um, a bit better. To protect the financial interests of the government of the Jackson Cakes Island, and also to my private firm, which is Future Bill Consultancy, offering child quantity surveying services. Um, I also offer you know, seminar sessions that are coming to you know, schools or as your company, and you know, we do seminars on anything construction related. Um, also, um, you know, different policies, regulations. Um, in conversation and advising, you know, persons who are in positions to implement these and make a change, um, and sort of globally or nationally within the construction industry. I am, you know, involved with those conversations and, and assisting, um, you know, persons who are in the positions to, to regulate the industry, per se. Um, so I, I, that's my vision to, to be a part of making toxic exercise construction industry efficient. Um, effective, um, regulated, um, make sure there's fair competition, um, make sure that, you know, it's a level playing field for everyone that's involved, but it's aspect for locals. Um, and, and, and also protecting, because like I always say, next to tourism, the construction industry is a huge contributor to the tax and takers GDP. And, you know, we see what's happened with the um, worldwide pandemic, you know, the tourism industry is so fragile, it can disappear today or tomorrow. So we need to protect, you know, what's next in line, what's down, you know, ahead of the contributors to GDP. And my role is to ensure that we, we um, have a construction industry that's sustainable as well. Um, so that's my, my overall vision. And whilst in the whole process of it all, I can't forget, you know, training, training and bringing up our, you know, young professionals industry. That is absolutely great. And that is so appreciated and so needed as well to like, like we talked about before, making sure that students are knowledgeable on not just the careers that they want to pursue, but careers they may not have known of before. And that could spark something new in them. So it's, it's so great that you plan to do it in that way as well. And that was my last question. I have no more questions. It was so great to have this conversation with you and have you feature as our Brandy of the Month for Urban Development. Um, do you have any last words that you'd like to say? All right. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was such a great conversation. I don't feel like leaving. <laughs> um, it's, it's great. Um, I applaud the initiative that you guys are doing. It's such a pleasure, you know, being your Brandy of the Month. I, I don't think I'm deserving of that title. It sounds over my head, but hey, <laughs> I'll take it and I'll accept it. Um, last, last words of encouragement, advice, or anything related to, uh, to the topic of conversation, um, you know, I applaud, uh, or I would definitely say I encourage any students thinking about roles in the construction industry to reach out. Um, don't be afraid to approach, you know, different firms. It doesn't have to be myself. Um, my information, contact information is all over my social feed, on my website. Um, you know, drop me an email if you have any questions. Um, if you want to do any interns or, you know, um, 
you just need some advice on you know career choice and routes to go. I'm more than happy. That's absolutely important that you do that. Um, get the advice, get the experience, know what you want to do in terms of whether you're comfortable and it attracts you and you enjoy that before you take up a career that you can invest a lot of time of your life in. You know, could have invested, you know, before returning from eight years. You know, you could do so much things within that time. So, you know, reach out, um, seek the advice, um, do your research online, um, by the stats research, field research, carry out the necessary research. Um, stay focused, um, work hard, and you will reap the benefits. I know it sounds like a long time, you know, probably been studying in like eight years, I can't do that now. If, if, no, it's not eight years. I've studied three years and I started working. So you're working and studying. You are growing and developing your career path whilst enjoying and, and encountering so many different opportunities and experiences. Networking, you know, and, and specifically networking. The construction community is so small. I got that colleagues in London who've got interest in trucks and cables. So, you know, and the, the, the industry is so small, you know, I've seen some guy here who mentioned a colleague of his that I knew and worked with in CPRE. And you know, those sort of things, networking and growing, definitely um, I would advise to, to, to partake in. So, you know, all of those who are thinking of studying or just about to study, reach out, um, do research, all of those who are currently studying, um, you know, stay focused, um, put in the necessary hard work. And those who just completed studying, if you're thinking about moving home, that is so great again thank you thank you so much it was great to have you thank you for listening get in touch with dominique at www.futurebuildconsult.com to get hands-on support on the career in quantity surveying and urban development for help on other career pathways university or job seeking assistance Visit BrainFoodTCI.org and find us on social media at BrainFoodTCI.